the impact of the digital health revolution will be profound on an individual and societal level. Digital health technologies will give us unique insights into the health of a person from their first genomic tests as an embryo to their last ever physiological measures. What we do with that new knowledge of the human state could transform humanity. Although we are well and truly on that path, it seems sensible that prior to setting on this trajectory, we critically analyse the principles of law and society and of social ordering that will permit digital health to fundamentally challenge and change humanity. Welcome to the Voice of Law podcast, Digital Health Law Series, Season 3. I'm your host, Bianca Rose Phillips, Global Digital Health Law and Innovation Theorist. Thank you for joining me. Access a copy of my new book, Making the Digital Health Revolution, Structural Elements and Logical Methods for a Deep Dive into System 2 Thinking in Digital Health. The book is available at biancarosephillips.com and we are receiving feedback from industry leaders and excited that we have hit a chord with so many in the industry. This podcast is about System 2 Thinking in Digital Health. It is addressed to lawmakers, but I understand that many in my audience include innovators, lawyers, policymakers, professors, and more. Even though I'm hoping to reach lawmakers, the podcast might be useful for those engaging in submission and consultation writing to lawmakers. An observation I have made in my book is that there are lessons from reviewing System 2 thinking in digital health. Now, let me be clear. The System 1 is also a valid and important area of research. Considering our unconscious processes and biases is important. The system too is an understudied area. I've learned that humans are complex. Decision-making is complex, far more complex and difficult to reverse engineer than I had previously understood. I've also learned a lot about the pact mentality and the social nature of human beings. If you're a lawmaker in a political party, you have pressure to agree with the thinking of your political party. You're expected to follow the thinking of the group to some extent. If you don't, there will be consequences. You know that. We know that. I want to provide a suggestion to you, and that is you can still fit in with the crowd and do things a little differently to the others around you. Here is a practical way you can implement change for the better from today. The next time you give a second reading speech before Parliament, consider the extent to which your storytelling constitutes anecdote and a marketing pitch. Could you reduce the anecdote a little and include more evidence to support your speech? Could you consider the emotive language that you are using and ensure that the argument works on the basis of rationality as well? I'm not suggesting that you remove the human side, that you avoid of emotional storytelling and suppress system one in an unhealthy way. No, no, no. These are powerful tools for debate and persuasion, but system two needs work. Remember that your second reading speeches are not just a speech. They could be used by courts in the future to interpret legislation as part of the Glazebook spiral methodology of interpretation. And of course, I know that second reading speeches don't carry the same weight as other portions of the interpretation methodology. 
but you have to bear in mind that many who are not well-versed in interpretation methodologies at that deep and academic level will refer to your speeches as carrying more weight than courts often attribute to them. And as such, there is a perception that your speeches carry great weight, however right or wrong that might be. There is a responsibility to present speeches to assist the community and the courts to understand the objectives and justifications for the law. You have to balance your storytelling with providing sound arguments for the law that you are supporting. If you're a lawyer, policy expert, innovator, you can help government to achieve this higher standard by modelling strong system two methods in your submissions and consultation materials and speeches and discussions with others. The Glazebrook methodology may even provide a useful structure in which to debate topics of greatest importance to our society, the future of policy and lawmaking for healthcare and technology. For more on the Glazebrook method, please contact me. I have a good book from the late and great Francis Benyon that I have to recommend. Now, I love presenting this podcast. As you can see from the disclaimer in our show notes, the information in this podcast is general information. And it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm not your advisor in any way, shape or form. Neither are the ideas in this podcast necessarily reflective of the views of the individuals or organizations that I work with. So be wise. Always seek professional advice from a specialist in your jurisdiction who can evaluate your needs and help support you. I hope you enjoyed this dose of education and good luck out there as you go about improving 21st century healthcare. For more podcasts and articles, please visit biancarosephillips.com.